Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Just climb down, baby. Capita export value. Libraries. Minister, are you embarrassed by your behavior today? There's a lot of bleeding hearts around. Do you have the fortitude or the gonads to stand up and come across here and say that to me, you son of a bitch? Just watch me. He certainly went too far, Mr. Speaker, when he st- I saw him stick his tongue out. Contemptuous disregard. More than a slab of bacon talking here. The disappointment you also feel is my responsibility. I lost my temper. What is the nature of your thoughts? The word was F-A-R-T. Yeah! Welcome to Canadian Politics is Boring. <laughs> I'm Jesse Harley, and with me is the incredibly sweaty Reese Waters. Oh. Ooh. Hi, Reese. Hi. Hi, everyone. How are you? <laughs> Reese is very <laughs> excited. <laughs> so I was happy to be here. Um, so, yeah, uh, Canadian Politics is Boring, the show for people who hate politics and care about things and big stuff and all the other stuff. Uh, good, it's good, it's good, good to be back. Not that we went away for long. I don't know why I said that. Uh, yeah, no, we were, we've been here the whole time. <laughs> I, I want to 
go straight to the STD zone with a very cute story. You always want to go straight to the STD zone, you sick Welsh bastard. Where I belong. We're not talking about sexually transmitted diseases. Um, uh, if you do have a sexually transmitted disease, call the doctor or at least take a picture um, no, no, of what... No, 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 don't stop. No, it's just... I don't know where you're going with that, though. That's, I'm quashing that right now. <laughs> don't take a picture. <laughs> they have our email address. I don't want um, them to associate no, no, the two. Post it on Reddit for advice. Don't send it to us. Oh, Reddit. No, I don't okay. want to or need to see it. It's fine. Right. So um, uh, my STD zone, uh, funny little story. So ha- huge amounts of bear activity in my area. Tons of bears, so much to the point now that I see more bears than I do blue jays in the forest we're living in. And... um. The uh, yes. Department Department of Natural Resources started putting these signs up around the the neighborhood, saying, "Beware of the bears." No, just like this is a bear. This is what you need to like do to avoid them. And this if, is a bear. They put up signs instructing you what a bear looks like. There's a picture saying, "Hey, there's bear activity in this area," and uh, my youngest, who's five. My wife was walking him down to get on the big yellow bus, and um, uh, he saw the it sign. Takes him went, away for a day. We don't know where it takes them, but we know we get a nice little break for a little while. This comes back <laughs> slightly hungry and, <laughs> and tired, and that's fine. So, um, and his lunch is gone. I don't know if he's eating it, but it's not there. Um, and um, maybe the, maybe he's off with the bears. So uh, we uh, he, he we walks down there. He sees this sign with a picture of the bear on, and he, he says to my wife. Oh, somebody's lost their bear. <laughs> How old is he? He's five. That's so, adorable. Just <laughs> things I've ever heard in my life. So. <laughs> oh, somebody's lost their bear. Somebody Have you seen my fun. bear? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, that was fun. Um, and then, um, yeah, so that, that was it. And the other, the other, th- I had another thing to say. Just All another. Right. Th- yeah, so yeah. we did an episode called uh, the the city that. Uh, that ended homelessness. Yeah, it was a very, very cool episode. I like that one. One, one thing we didn't talk about was the, the fact that, and this, this was from Tom Whitten, who is uh, running for election as a school board trustee in, um, in BC. And he, he wanted just to put, he, he commented on one of the posts. So I was chatting to him um, through, through like a messaging service. And he was basically saying, hey, you forgot to say that this is a conservative city. And it made me think, I was like, wow, that's a really good point. Because wow. What seems like a really progressive housing policy was done by a city that is uh, traditionally conservative, and I thought that was a really good point. And then it made me go, "Well, well, like, I can see, I can see the conservative move behind that, though, which is like, let's get them back to work." <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and also, it saves money. So, right, yeah. <laughs> my, my point is, if the conservative cities can do that, then the more liberal and NDP cities have no excuse not to implement the housing policy. I totally agree. That's amazing. Like, That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very but good point. I, you know, so I just think, yeah, is um, it was, it was, it was not what I when he, it was not something I even thought about looking into, just because we don't do our research properly on this show. But thanks, I mean, Tom. You do don't do your research properly. I don't do any research at <laughs> all, Reese. Exactly. You just thanks, show Tom. up caffeinated and ready to <sighs> do whatever the fuck this is called. Okay. This is. So, this episode is called. You didn't even ask me what I'm doing or what I've been up to. I'm just like I, I know, I know what you've been doing. Every time I call you, you're kayaking. That's true. That's exactly your what life. Your life, you just your life is one big tourism advert. It's weird. It's honestly, dear listener, it's been weird 
like I actually mentioned this to Reese yesterday because like whenever I'm out kayaking and I'm not kayaking every hour of the day, I'll go kayaking for like an hour, you know, a few times a week. But whenever I am kayaking, Reese calls me. It's weird. It's a weird, weird coincidental timing thing. And I told him that yesterday, like a thought, like maybe two minutes in the water. He calls me I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Do you have cameras? Are you watching me? What's going on? You but, know, uh, what are the, what, oh, I just want to tell you a little, little cute little kayak, quick, cute thing with my, my life. Tell what you happened? What okay. happened? So like I was out in the water, it's like in the ocean, but not like deep ocean. It's like, you know, harbors and inlets and stuff like that. And I'm looking at Google maps to see like, where am I? I was like, oh, there's a couple islands nearby, little tiny islands. I'm like, wait a minute. I've, I've swam past there. Not swam. Sorry. Jesus kayak past there before there was nothing and i was like oh my god have these are these sunken islands and i went by and they were and then just last week the tide was really low I'm like <gasps> i gotta go to these fucking islands and i went there and suddenly and lo and behold these islands appeared and i actually was able to get out of the kayak and walk around on them and grab a little rock and like take videos of the gulls and, and stuff like that. it was really neat anyway um that's what did you call the islands oh we had a name for them too so what you, you call them? I forget. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. The something on islands. That's that's clever. It was the it wasn't this the disappearing great. islands. It wasn't the um, you know what? <laughs> It'll come to me halfway through and I'll just scream it in the middle of the episode. That's how my brain works. Okay. Well, there we go. Good. So, should we should we talk? It wasn't should funny, we... not a funny story, not a bear story, but just like, you know. Whimsy. It was lots of Oozing with whimsy. <laughs> Oozing with whimsy. That's, you know what? Uh, that's going on my resume. Thank you. Oozing with whimsy. <laughs> that's the only thing I'm putting on my resume. Yeah. You, may need, uh, you may need a danger wet floor sign. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. What do, you, what do you got for us today? What are you, what are you teaching us? Uh, this is called Who Owns Canada? So I got a question for you. What, who, do, who do you think owns the majority of Canada? I have some dirty thoughts that I am suppressing right now i'm not gonna about, not, doing about it, land not, not not getting suckered into that uh into that that little who corner of, i'm not i don't know who owns canada uh well i guess now the king now that the queen has passed i i guess i, I guess i'm talking specifically about the land like land that we all live on and buy homes and a, a kind of the hudson's <laughs> bay company <laughs> they used to do, but they no. used to yeah um, um currently i don't think any mean i mean isn't it just I don't think it would be a person. My guess would be it wouldn't be a person. It'd be like an organization and that organization would be the government. So like, but the government changes. So like, well, that's a, hmm. I don't know. Cause that, it's I don't know. the second largest country in the world. Pretty big. Um, and we say, it, we say that like we're proud of it. Like 90% of it is tundra. Okay. <laughs> like it's just land. Nobody wants. <laughs> so 6% of the earth's surface is Canada and that includes the ocean. So it's a big chunk. Oh, it is a big chunk. Wow. Yeah, right, 89% of Canada's land is owned by the crown. That's what I just said. I said the king. Yeah. yeah. So I got it right. I got it fucking it? right. Episode yes, over. Me. Done. Jesse finally got something right. Okay. <laughs> but it's really, really interesting. It means, that means that only 11% of Canada is privately owned. Well, that is interesting. Especially when there's a housing crisis and, every, and the cost of housing is so expensive and homes you can buy and places you can property so, developers can develop so because, because i guess because i guessed it right are we ending this episode early we'll just go like yeah we'll just go home go with pie yeah. okay. thanks everybody for listening to canadian politics is boring i finally got one right <laughs> no but the, this this is i mean it's yeah but canadian in canada 
Crown land is designated as a as a territorial area belonging to the Canadian Crown, and it's basically either run by the federal government or the provincial governments for on behalf of the royal family or the king. Essentially, this isn't going to be an interesting episode, is it? Or a crazy episode? This is just going to be like a slightly interesting, somewhat educational episode that you try no, to sneak I find, in now. Then I find it baffling. It's one of those things that I'm like, this blows my mind because essentially, like. This this huge vast country and eleven percent of it is left for everyone to kind of like, hey, let's build increasingly expensive condos on that eleven percent. I don't understand what. So, so okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I guess we're having an episode after all. Yeah, yeah, we are. <sighs> I'm not done yet. I'm not done. So, the thing is, is that the, I, I was trying to understand exactly what Crown Land is, and it's. It's very old in terms of like the rules and stuff. So crown land is the equivalent of an entailed estate that passes with the monarchy and cannot be alienated from it. Thus, per constitutional convention, these lands cannot be unilaterally sold by the monarch, instead passing on to the next king or queen unless the sovereign is advised otherwise by relevant ministers of the crown. So basically it means that (laughs) Prince Charles Charles now owns, uh, in theory, uh, 89% of Canada. Is this the northern part that nobody wants? No, this is This is not just the northern part. I mean, mo- most of that land is in the north, but it's huge chunks of all the provinces everybody else lives in too. That nobody can can buy or sell he's, or he's develop allowed, he's on? technically not allowed to, so- to sell it either. So hold on. It, are you saying that there are chunks of land in our metropolitan cities that no one is allowed to develop anything on because the monarch that, owns oh, it. The monarch, the patriarch. I don't know what's it called. What's it called now? What did you call it? Uh, uh, monarch. Royal, the what? Monarch. Isn't the monarch because we had a queen though? No, a monarch is just a term. It's a non-gender specific term for whoever's in charge. Oh. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Think about it. A lot of this crown land has got oil, gas, all those other things. Hold on. I just want to go back to my original question, though. So, like, are you saying that there are chunks of land throughout each of our metropolitan cities? That no one in those cities is allowed to develop, buy, or sell on? It's just like whatever the crown wants to do with it? Typically, the cities grow and then bump up against crown land on the outskirts, yeah. 
So like literally no one is allowed. Like if I'm driving around, look at all the millions of dollars I have in my Lamborghini. Oh, look at this piece of land next to inside of Halifax or close to Halifax. I'm going to buy this land. And then suddenly like a helicopter with, you know, royal troops come down with shotguns and like, you're not allowed to buy in this land, sir. And I'm like, okie dokie. And I get back in my car and I drive away. You can, you can, but it is really complicated and there's a lot of admin. It's very bureaucratic. And also you can only buy it for specific reasons. So to buy crown land, you must be authorized by the minister or cabinet under the crown lands act. So you've literally got to, got to go to like top level government to sign off when you're buying it. And other acts such as the Beaches and Foreshores Act, no idea what that is, Nova Scotia's, Nova Scotia's sale of crown land policy in this province sets out specifically how you can buy crown land. And it says crown land may be sold to a municipality, agency, non-profit group or community organization when a public benefit can be demonstrated to support or promote economic activity when all other reasonable alternatives have been canvassed by the applicant to alleviate due undue or to alleviate undue hardship on 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 or in extenuating circumstances when it's to the best interests of the province. So basically it just means that... So, so oh basically, God! Sorry, were you talking? Oh my God! Yeah. Well, sorry, I fell asleep there for a minute. What, what the? What, what the hell? It's almost that as mean? if you were reading a legal document on our podcast. It was almost like, like that's what it sounded like. What is that? But this is supposed to be the land, Canadian people's lands, and you've got this really inaccessible, very ambiguous. You have to be a certain organization or a certain kind of place to actually buy it. So, eighty-nine percent of it off limits, unless you're buying it as a government or a big organization, essentially. Hmm. That is, all right, it's interesting, I'll give you that. And I didn't know that before. So here you are, once again, fucking educating me. And and also, (laughs) the the, uh, most of... About my own country. (laughs) There we go. You're (laughs) welcome. Most most of the profits (laughs) that, that those provinces make and the country make is from the exploitation of natural resources in Crown lands. Okay, such as? Oil, login, like gold, diamonds. Do they get the profits that they make from this back into Canada? So people buy like licenses or rent the the right to kind of go and access those things. And a certain percentage of it does go back to to um to the to the government as income and like profit for for the province or the federal territory that is running. But you're saying that the majority of the profit made on these lands goes back to to what britain no no it, it does it does stay within canada but what it means is you've got these huge chunks 89 percent of the country that is owned by the king the king can't sell them unless it's these under these really specific circumstances and people can exploit that land under very specific licenses from the government and in return they pay money to so I guess what it means is, is like it's all fenced off from most Canadians, if you know what I mean. A lot of that land is just remote and distant. And unless you're there to extract things from the ground, um, there's no real. It's not. It's not kind of. It's this big open plains and like these huge forests and this vast wilderness, but um, it's very restricted how it can be kind of accessed and used in that sense. Wow. Okay. So it's not really accessible to your average Canadian to do stuff, if you know what I mean. I mean. Not a lot going on in most of Canada anyway. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess I just find it's a really weird thing to not that I think they should flatten it all and like build a big theme park. Like I'm not for that. It's yeah. just a shame that <laughs> <laughs> it's just a 
just, I mean, that would be a fucking amazing. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you know, I do, Tundra I, Land. I want to do like a Walt Disney and build like a, a, a city of the future somewhere on Crown Land. But I don't think they'd let me. Up north. Yeah. 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 Just, why, why not build the, the city of the future? Come on, kids. Go- let's go to Tundra Land. 18 hours in the car to get there. And when we get there, there's a churro stand. There's a, a tiny little roller coaster that goes around a moose that's very tired. And 1,500 miles of dark, dank, wet, flat land with nothing growing. Yay. So, let's do a foot race. But the thing is, the thing that blows my mind about it is that you're um, just going to skip over that. You don't want to. You don't want to join in. You don't want to say how much you want to go to Tundra, Tundra, Tundra Land. Come on. I do want to go to Tundra because the you thing that take blows your kids mind, to Tundra Land. The thing that blows my mind about Epcot is that it wasn't supposed to be a theme park. Walt Disney wanted to build the city of the future from scratch, oh. where how people traveled and lived was completely changed um, with this big visionary thing, and and then he died, and they just turned it into a theme park. Oh, hold on, they turned it into a theme park after he died? He started making Epcot, which was him trying to reimagine how cities should be built and run, which was his, supposed to be his big achievement. He wanted to build like a utopia for people to live in. And then, you know, shortly after they started, um, he died. And then they just turned it into like a, a theme park instead. Wow, that's fucking capitalism saying. for you. How can we make more money from this? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Do you know what? We could build the city of the future or we could sell overpriced ice cream. Right, Jesus you know. Christ! Um, but what I'm saying, I is, hate this imagine, so much. Imagine if you wanted to build an Epcot somewhere up north, or somewhere on Crown. There's tons of Crown Land everywhere. No one would go. It's free. Do you have any idea how cold it is up there? It's just like, come on. It's a glass dome, like a, so. It's like a giant hot snow globe. <laughs> okay, I mean, sure. I'm saying, is that what it would be hard to achieve under the current setup? That's my point. Okay. Anyway. Right. So British Columbia has got the most. 94% of British Columbia is crown land. 94% of British Columbia is crown land, yeah. Jesus, are you serious? Yep. Holy mm. shit, what is the crown doing with it? Um, I guess they probably just, it's just there, I think. It's just, <laughs> it's just there. It's from what I can tell. I mean, they're extracting things, they're building pipelines, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um so 95 you should really be a university professor reese i'm just know, saying just like it's you've missed your calling here buddy <laughs> um <laughs> i'm the jesus of statistics so um uh, that's, uh, that's what i call you yes yeah. <laughs> um i never run out of them i had this basket they thought i only had two or three statistics and i just kept making them up it was great um and and 95 of newfoundland labrador provincial land um, wow, it's probably the center, right? Like nothing happens at the center. <laughs> exactly, and ninety-eight percent of New Brunswick. Um, sorry, forty-eight percent of New Brunswick. I'm not saying that. I'm part part Newfoundlander. I lived there for a little while when I was a teen. I guess I'm not part. Newf- part? Well, my heritage. A lot, a lot of my generation. Which a lot of my previous generations. My mother's side lived in Newfoundland, and then my and then uh, I believe Scotland and or Ireland. Oh, my. A little run through of Jesse's heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, lived so, in, I lived in Bonavista, Newfoundland when I was a teenager. That is, if anybody is listening to this from Bonavista, and God, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool if anyone was listening to bon, from Bonavista, Newfoundland. Please let us know if you are, if you're actually from Bonavista and listening to this or have been listening to our show. I would love to hear that. Just just give us a shout. I'm sure you know how. I, I only know Bonavista because they named a, a Nissan X trail after one, after it. All right. 
Yeah. <laughs> sure. Special edition of a movie. <laughs> in the early 2000s. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, what, Please so 40, tell me more. 48% of New Brunswick's territory is Crown land. But the uh, Wallace Stock Territory, uh, the First Nations community, is which follows the St. John River, suing New Brunswick and Canada for a title claim to half of the province of New Brunswick. So, wow, uh, good luck with that. The uh, Wallace Nation is six communities, as they're collectively known, is see- seeking compensation of new- from uh, for a com- uh, seeking compensation to get their own land back. Um, and it basically uh, it would it would uh, resolve logging disputes, and it's it's really complicated. It's all to do with how this treaty was signed, and basically says that anything from the St. John River was to do with their land and should have been their territory. Um, and it's, it's interesting though because like if they're saying, hey, the treaty said this should be our land; it shouldn't be specifically crown land. Um, and there was this whole scare campaign, basically saying that if they won this court case, everyone who owned a house or a property in that territory would. Uh, have to be evicted, which wasn't true. Because, because <laughs> it was a scare tactic. I'm guessing. It was a scare tactic. Technically, it would just mean that they, you would just, your your home, you would still own your home and the land. It's just, a, it's a piece of paper that says, and it's on this territory, not crown land. Yeah, I, I, as, as much as it might be a noble cause or pursuit, there's just no fucking way it's going to happen. It's not like. I know, but it's, it's. It, I mean, they, they, they're following the paperwork, so. It could happen. Um, it would just mean that it wouldn't ch- really change everything. It wouldn't kick everybody off or like ban logging or anything like that. It just means that you'd have to get their permission rather than the crown's permission. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. That's um, interesting. And how much is twenty nine percent of Nova Scotia crown land? How much? Twenty percent. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. That's pretty big. Ninety five percent of Manitoba. Jesus. What? I know. How much of that is in is like Winnipeg? Um, I guess Winnipeg is the other five. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you need to split one one percent for um, like I don't know, like an out of town shopping complex. Maybe one percent is just a big mall. The other four percent is with- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ontario. Have a guess at Ontario. What percentage of Ontario, considering most Canadians live there? Uh, I'm going to say 87%. Exactly right. Are you, you serious? Oh, no fucking way. Wow. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. Quebec Finally, our is, minds are becoming one race. Quebec is 92%. And wow. storming ahead, not often considered an innovator, Prince Edward Island is 88% is, is non um is privately held, so only twelve percent of Prince Edward Island is Crown land. Wow, well, that's yeah. neat. Way to go, so, fucking PEI. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. I know I nobody. No, I don't know why I'm negative about that. this. This is really. <laughs> yeah, but, um, obviously, the, the, those provincial territories are administered by provinces, and the federal Crown land tends to be the territories up north. So, I I think I just think it's interesting that it's like huge, sure huge chunks of the country kind of locked down in that sense. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is an interesting episode, but it's not fucking mind blowing my mind here, Reese. Uh, you know what? I I let these slip through the cracks now and then. That's fine. It's okay. We gotta we gotta say that. You know, we that you you. I know you like boring shit like this, and that's fine. I, you know, I don't like you boring shit. Says you love boring shit. I don't like boring shit. 
<laughs> Next episode, though, okay. I want you to really pull out the fucking, me, all the stops. Yeah, okay. let, let me ask. Let me ask you a question. Did you right. learn something? Yeah, it's not the point of the show. <laughs> Next question. Did Did you go? Oh, thank God. You no. Did. I did. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I guess I did now. There you go. Yeah, there we go. You did. did. Check. I, I, I think this was a great episode. And we've learned so much, not just about the topic, but about each other. <laughs> if you liked this episode and you thought it was interesting and you learned about it, this is all new to me, mine. I'm sure there's a bunch of people who will go, why did he say that? That's a load of bullshit. This is all new to me. Yeah. I mean, it's new to me, too. Just you no, find it far more interesting than I do. <laughs> So they won't let me build my own version of Epcot. That's that's all you need to know. Tundraland. Yeah, exactly. Tundraland. Where everything is three times the price. <laughs> you feel the fun twice as hard. <laughs> is that an appropriate tagline? You feel the fun twice as hard. All right. Yeah. It's, I mean, I feel like that's... Yeah, the fun is so hard you'll ache the next day. That's a porn title. That I've not not title, but like Underland. slogan. Slogan? Are there slogans on porn titles? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And so the marketing is. All right, we're going to do a ghost story or what? It's October, <laughs> right in the middle of October. You keep forgetting. What is a ghost story? Well, I got one. Are you going to, you going to, I tell you what, do you want to read it and I'll mix it and I'll put it in properly? It's, it's the one from Paul Schrag. This is a wonderful horror story by Paul Schrag, who sent it to us by email. Gary Logan and his friends considered themselves to be outdoorsmen and adventurers. They had traversed the West Coast Trail both ways. They had scaled the Chief and had climbed the Black Tusk. They were true BC wild boys, as they liked to claim. That is why it wasn't any concern for them to go hiking through the Joffrey Lake Provincial Park in November. Sure, it would be cold and wet, but the legends of long-forgotten gold mines and ghosts was more than enough to tempt the group. That was why Gary found himself standing in the parking lot with a backpack on his back, ready to trek into the forest with his three best friends. Adventure awaited in front of them, so they set off. The journey started off as well as expected. Gary's best friend Jordan was doing his typical Jordan thing of singing aqua songs off-key and at the top of his lungs to see how long the others could handle it. Jordan was a hulking figure of a man. Standing at six foot five with a big beard and flannel shirt on, he looked like he had just stepped off the cover of Lumberjacks Weekly. This made the singing all the more cringy. Beside Jordan were their other two compatriots, Pete McClonsky and Pete Stills, or as everyone commonly referred to them as the Peets, or Merry and Pippin, since they were the real life versions of the Lord of the Rings characters. They were so inseparable that Pete Stills had dated a girl in college who actually thought that his full name was Pete and Pete. The guys still got a lot of laughs out of that one. As the group traveled, they started talking about the legend of the old mines. Legend had it that right after the Alaska gold rush died off, one of the prospectors was making his way to San Francisco to try to find a new vein when he stopped in the area. He had decided to check the shores of some of the local lakes and found gold by Joffrey Lake and decided to see what he could find instead of continuing on. He found a cave system in the forest near the lake that had a rich vein of gold running in it. As the prospector got all set up and had started pulling gold out of the mine, he realized this was the vein of all veins. He was pulling out gold as if it was simple rock. Before he could get it out of his mine, there was an earthquake and the roof collapsed. 
The man was trapped with unimaginable wealth and no way to escape. No one had ever heard from him again. Legend had it that the mine was still there and the gold was just waiting for someone to come and claim it. But the group didn't really believe that story was actually real. It was just something cooked up by the locals to get tourists to come and check out the area. The boys made it to the lake by noon, and even though it was a bit chilly, they were still in high spirits. They stopped for lunch and spirits were still high. They continued on. Not long after lunch, as they were traveling along the bank of the lake, Pete S. stepped wrong on a rock and rolled his ankle. It wasn't so bad that they thought about turning back, but it was tender enough that he needed to go a bit slower. The group decided at that point that Gary and Jordan would continue on and try to find a good place to camp for the night, while Pete and Pete came along at a slower pace. This would give Pete S. a chance to rest his ankle and wrap it up a bit. Gary and Jordan left and continued on. An hour later, as they were walking, they noticed the sky start to cloud over, but that was not a problem. They could just find a nice camping place in the forest. The boys decided it was time to head into the woods, so Jordan pulled a roll of marker tape and paper and then scrawled a quick note saying, We've headed into the forest to set up camp. Enter the forest here and follow the markers. With that, they affixed the note to a tree and headed into the forest. The temperature was dropping and the weather was turning. Soon flakes of snow could be seen falling through the trees. Both Gary and Jordan realized they needed to get to a campsite soon and a fire going or things would be very uncomfortable. They decided to split up for 30 minutes and head in opposite directions and then come back. That was smart of them, fuck. Gary set out and the weather started to get worse. 20 minutes after he and Jordan had separated, the weather had completely deteriorated. Snow was falling all around and the wind was whipping through the trees. It was cold. Gary started looking for anywhere he could hunker down. As he shielded his face and continued forward, he heard what sounded like a voice up ahead. A low, raspy call came out. You over there! What are you doing out in this weather? Gary turned to see an old man with a scraggly beard and a mop of white hair covered by an old hat. The old man signaled for Gary to follow him, so Gary followed. A few minutes of following the old man and Gary was at the entrance to a cave. Gary entered at the urging of the old man. What were you doing out there in such awful weather there? You could catch your death if you're not careful, the old man said. My friends and I were hiking in the area and separated to find a good place to hunker down and set up camp. Thank you for helping me out and bringing me in, Gary offered. He looked around and the cave didn't seem like a cave, more like a huntsman's nook. There was an old table with three chairs, a fire pit, and even some makeshift shelves. In the back, he could see a bedding area. Beyond, he could see darkness. Name's Jedediah Talbus. Most people call me Jed. This here's my little getaway, said Jed. Gary responded, Name's Gary. Again, thank you. Nice little place you've got here. What's down there? Jed looked back to the dark area. Oh, that's the tunnel. I won't go down there. I'm not safe anymore, but uh, feel free to explore all you want. Doesn't look like the weather is going to be changing anytime soon. I just hope your friends were able to find a place to shelter. The weather came up quick. With those words, Gary's mind snapped back to his friends. He started to make for the mouth of the cave. I, I need to go out there and get my friends. Jed stopped him. No sense in you, boy. You head out there now or the wind and snow are blowing like that, and all you will accomplish is getting lost and most likely dead from exposure. Give it some time and let the worst of it pass, and then we'll head out together to find them. 
Gary thought for a moment and realized Jed was right. He deflated, and there was nothing he could do but wait for the worst of the weather to pass. With that, he turned to the tunnel. Well, if I guess I'm stuck in here, might as well see what's down there then, Gary said as he reached into his bag and pulled out a headlamp. He affixed the lamp and headed down the tunnel. The tunnel was wide and rather well formed. It was more of a shaft than a tunnel. As Gary traveled, he noticed there were notches in the wall that could be used for a lamp. Was this the old mine from legend? Gary thought to himself. As he rounded the next bend in the tunnel, everything went white. Gary woke to Jed's face looking at him. You took a bad knock to the noggin there. Good thing I heard. Seems a rock fell from the ceiling and dropped on your head and conked you clean out, Jed said. How long have I been out? Gary said groggily. Oh, a good long while. I don't have a watch, so it's hard to say. The weather's passed, if you were wondering, though, Jed said. Gary's mind honed in on that fact. He had to go find his friends. Thank, thank you, Jed. I have to go. I need to find my friends, Gary said as he stood upright. He had a splitting headache, but he, he wasn't going to let that stop him. Give, give me a few minutes to get my things and my walking stick, and I'll join you. Jed said. No time, Gary stammered, and he bolted out of the cave. Gary started moving through the forest. It was the early hours of the morning. The sun was just starting to crest the horizon, and Gary was at a decent jog. As he moved, he called out each of his friends' names. There was no response. Finally, Gary reached the lake. There was still no sign of his friends, so he kept on going. Gary ran until he reached the parking lot again, but he couldn't find his friends. When he got there, the car was gone. Hopefully, this meant his friends had gotten back to the car and gone to go get help. At the other end of the parking lot, it looked like a larger group of people setting out in the park. They looked to be a search and rescue team. Maybe the storm was worse than he thought. He ran to join up with the team to hear the last few words before the party set off. A ranger said, Not sure how many may be out there, but we can confirm there are at least two out in the woods, a man and a woman. Keep an eye out. With that, the group started to move. Gary overheard a woman talking with one of her companions. It's a shame they're out here like this. I hope we find them. Especially since it's the five-year anniversary of the Joffrey Lake Four. Gary wanted to ask them what the Joffrey Lake Four were, but before he had the chance to, the group was off. They had to be out there looking for someone else besides Jordan or the Peets. As they traveled, conversations were left to a bare minimum so that people could call out clearly. The call was the same for everyone. Hello! Is anyone out there? If you can hear me, follow my voice! The group was spread out every five yards as they traveled. The group traveled through the day, not stopping. Eventually, they found the woman. She was huddled to a tree, half frozen. She told the ranger that her boyfriend had gone into the woods looking for shelter for them and left her with the supplies. They were looking for the Legend of the Lost Four. The ranger sent the woman back with a small detachment of the search party to get help. She was able to walk and would make a recovery. The remaining search party members turned and headed into the woods. They looked familiar to Gary. As the party fanned out and continued searching, the forest became a cold and forbidding place. Eventually they came to the mouth of Jed's cave, but it, it looked different. It was dark and Jed was not around. The ranger looked in and spoke. I need to check this out. This is really the only real shelter in the area here, I guess. 
Gary and three others followed the ranger in. Instantly, Gary saw that the cave was different. What used to be a seemingly comfy huntsman's cave was now cold and desolate. The table and chairs were little more than broken pieces of wood, and everything else was near disintegrated. The ranger spotted the tunnel and started making his way down. Gary followed. As they went, the entire group was silent. After a short time, the group came to a bend and turned. There, in the middle of the tunnel, were two small piles of rocks, which seemed to have fallen from the roof. At the base of each pile was a skeletal body. Tattered clothing still hanging to the bones. The ranger knelt down carefully and fished around in the clothing. A second search party member searched the body. The search party member found a crumpled up piece of paper. As he opened it, he found it was a mining land deed made out to one Jedediah Talbus. At the same time, the ranger found a wallet. In the wallet, there was a driver's license that read Gary Logan. The ranger closed the wallet and said to the group, Well, we just found out what happened to the last of the Lost Four. Looks like no one survived that storm. That story was by Paul Schrag. I was going to ask if it was a true story when I was first started reading it, but uh, I'm going I'm to take a guess that it's not. Not a, not a true story. It's a good one, though. What'd you think of that, Reese? It was good. <laughs> Wait, almost Halloween and I've already shit myself. So, If you'd like to send us a ghost story to read on the show, uh, email us at CanadianPoliticsIsBoring at gmail.com or uh, find us on any of the social media. Just pretend that uh, we're an ex of yours and you're a stalker. And, I mean, you can find us if you really dig. Let's be, let's be honest. Yay. All right. Uh, I'm looking forward to next episode, Reese, where you're going to blow my fucking mind. Yes. It's the only thing I'm blowing. Anyway, bye. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> bye. bye. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it, no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there. 